It is good to be in worship together tonight. Yes, in fact, we have barbecue after worship, immediately after service. You can head over to the Fellowship Hall and join us for a barbecue dinner and celebration of God's generosity toward us and our opportunity to share with one another. So even if you are not a member here at Bethany, you're welcome to come to dinner. Even if you don't turn in a estimate of giving card, you're welcome to come to dinner. Come join us for a time of fellowship and food as we celebrate how generous God is with us. Oswald, Oswald Golter was a, a missionary in northern China in the 1940s. And after 10 years of service, as he was headed back home, his uh, boat on the way home stopped in India, and he got off to transfer to get onto a different uh, boat. And uh, while he was there, he noticed some refugees that were in a warehouse. Uh, they were there kind of holed up because no one else uh, wanted them. They were stranded there, and, and Golter went and visited them. And he said to them, it was around Christmas time, he said to them, I, I, I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. And they said, oh, well, we're not Christians. We don't celebrate Christmas. We don't believe in Christmas. He said, that's okay. I wanted to wish you Merry Christmas anyway. What would you like for Christmas? They said, we're, we're not Christians. He said, that's okay. What would you like for Christmas? And they began talking about these uh, German pastries that they all really enjoyed and remembered. And uh, they kept talking about them. So he cashed in his ticket and went and got baskets full of these German pastries and brought them to them and said to them, uh, Merry Christmas, wishing them a Merry Christmas. And he left. And he was relaying this story to some of his students later, and one of them said, but sir, why, why would you do that for them? Why would you wish them a, a Merry Christmas? They weren't Christians. They didn't even believe in Jesus. He said, I know. I do. Our generosity is not based on what someone else thinks or does or knows or doesn't know or believes or doesn't believe. It's not based on who they are. Our generosity is based on who we are, on what we believe. We've been talking for a few weeks about generosity and how it's one of our pillars of spiritual growth. And it's a pillar of spiritual growth because God is generous, and because God calls us to be generous, and because being generous makes us more like Christ, and because simply being generous as ones who follow Christ is who we are. So I wonder today how it is that God might, inviting, might be inviting you to be generous because of who you are, regardless of who they are. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today. Let it take hold of us and transform us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Generosity is who we are as individuals. We are created in the image of God whose very nature is to be generous. Think about what we receive from God. God provides us life, breath, provision and protection and guidance. God provides for us, gives us relationships with God and with one another. God gives us joy and peace and life and, and hope. 
God gives to us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be God's presence with us. God gave us Jesus to be God with us, to be our salvation, our wholeness. Anything that we have that is worth anything comes to us as a gift from God. If we are made in the image of God and if we are becoming more like Christ, then generosity it will be part of our lives simply because it's who we are and it's who we are becoming. As individuals, certainly, but also as a community, as the body of Christ. When you think about the early church, when you read about the early church and what they did as what defined them, a hallmark for them as an early church, we read about it in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This idea of community as a defining aspect of what it means to be the church, to be the body of Christ. It carries over the theme from the very beginning when God called Abraham to leave where he was and go to the land that he would give to him. And, and God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. The way that God gives to us, God's generosity towards us, is never meant to stop with us. As people who are created in the image of God and who are being made in the likeness of Christ, becoming more like Christ, we should just be instruments of generosity. We should be instruments of what we receive from God to allow that to flow out beyond us, to the world around us, to those who don't yet know the love of God, who have not yet experienced God's grace. As individuals and as a community, that's who we are. It is simply who we are, if that's really, if we really do believe that we are the body of Christ, that we are the church, this community, then we are to be generous. We are to be generous as a community. It also is true that we are generous as Bethany United Methodist Church. We are individuals that make up this community, this body of Christ, and also have an identity as Bethany United Methodist Church. The series on why generosity has been sort of the culmination of a, a larger, longer series that we've done called Our Journey, in which we've looked at who we are as a body of Christ. We've looked at what it means to worship and to be in discipleship and service and, and generosity. Your clergy team and some of your leadership has worked for a couple of years really kind of crafting this sense of, of who we are, understanding that in times of uncertainty, in times when things uh, seem to be changing around us so rapidly, in times uh, where the busyness and the distractions of the world kind of clamor noisily at us, in this time of increasing division and, and polarization, maybe one of the most important things that we can know is who we are. And so we've been working on that as the leadership of Bethany so that as things change in the world around us, we're anchored in who we are in Christ. 
Our core vision you will be hearing about over the next few months, this next year, but it starts with our call and purpose. We talked about this um, back at the very end of August uh, when Tom was here and preaching about our call and purpose. God calls Bethany to be a community participating in God's mission of love, transforming us and the world. We do this by leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in his image. There are key words in this statement that help define who we are. We worked a long time on on crafting this statement to to try to adequately and accurately portray really our call specific to Bethany, as well as our purpose as uh, members of the larger church, the greater church that is the body of Christ. Some of the words in here that are important to us, that we are community, that Acts 2 is just what I read to you just a while ago about uh, we're all in this together. We need one another, and we need everyone who is part of the community. There's no one person who's part of the community who is more or less important or vital than anyone else. Bethany is a community. We need to remember, as a community of faith, that we have in common what binds us together is Jesus Christ, the life, the ministry, the work, the death, the resurrection, all of who Jesus is, that's what we have in common. That's what makes us community. We're not all going to look the same. We're not all going to think the same. We're called to be a community anchored and centered around the love of Christ, the work of Christ, the life of Christ. That's where our community comes. It's important for us in the midst of all the swirling around us, to remember what we have in common, that that we're not defined here by any one particular political stance. We're not defined by any one socioeconomic group or cultural group. We're not defined by any uh, one particular social issue or special interest group. We are defined by being a community anchored and centered in Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Bethany is called to be a community. Bethany is also called to participate participate in God's mission. Missio Dei, you're going to be hearing about that more next week and uh, the following week, the next two weeks. But Missio Dei is God's mission. We're not here for our own agenda to be met. We're here to work, participate together to fulfill God's mission And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's mission is to make for us to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We have our our mission already. And at Bethany, we are a community participating in God's mission above all else. This is God's mission of love. This love uh, is agape love, the love with which God loves us that's selfless and sacrificial love that is always looking to the good for the good of the other person. One of the places that we read about this is in 1 John. We know love by this that he Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. 
How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and in action. Words aren't enough. Action is required. It's easy enough to get confused in our world about who we are to love and who we aren't to love, but this doesn't say anything about who we are to love or not love in terms of separating out people to love. We are called to love one another. And in fact, last week talked about that's how people will know that we're followers of Christ is by how we love one another and by what that looks like. It's not just loving those with whom we agree or loving those whom we like. This is loving others as God has loved us. We experience God's love as God's grace, that unmerited, unearned, unconditional love and favor of God at work in us and for us and through us. What would it look like if, if we were to love others as generously as God loves us? I think sometimes in our culture we confuse what we have received from God with what we think we have earned by our place and our work and our efforts in the world. But what we have received through God's love surpasses anything that, that we could do or earn or achieve on our own. And God asks us to live in that love and to love with that love. So what would it look like for us to love one another the way that God loves us? That's really where transformation begins. We're called to be a community participating in God's mission of love transforming us and the world. We aren't meant to stay the same. We're meant to be transformed, to be made new. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're not just a community that gathers to sing and have a good time and eat together. We're a community that, that is gathered to, to be the hands and feet of Christ, to allow God's love to transform us, but we also participate in God's mission, making disciples, followers of Jesus for the transformation of the whole world. You and I have experienced the grace of God. There are plenty of people who have yet to experience the grace of God the way that we know it. Part of who we are at Bethany is ones who participate in that mission, ambassadors of Christ at home, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, in the grocery stores, at the bank, all around us. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ, sharing God's love with one another as God has loved us. Our journey that has, uh, we've been on over the past several weeks reminds us that, that we are um, called to live into these pillars of spiritual growth. We know 
from research done and from personal stories, that the catalyst for spiritual growth, the way that we don't stay where we are as followers of Christ is by engaging in these things, in worship, in discipleship, in service, and in generosity. It takes all of these things to grow us, to lead us, to change us by God's grace using these things. We don't get to pick and choose which of these things we want to do. We don't get to say, I'll try worship for six weeks, and then I'll try discipleship for six weeks, and then I'll try service for six weeks, and if I get to it, I'll try generosity for six weeks. It doesn't doesn't work that way. They're all pillars that work together to support us on the journey of being, becoming more like Jesus. We've been talking in recent weeks about generosity, and specifically we've been in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians, where he's been inviting them, reminding the Corinthians that, that he's asked all of the churches that he started to collect an offering to go back to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem to provide for some of their needs, but also as a way to build relationship between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And Paul has reminded them that God has given them everything that they need, provided all that they need in abundance so that they can share, so that they can give. He's reminded them, when we talked last week about, about the churches in Macedonia and Berea and Thessalonica and Philippi that have given, even in the midst of, of really difficult times, hardship and challenge, they, they have given generously because they want to be part of the work of God. They want to be part of God's mission, making disciples for Jesus Christ. Uh, they wanted to be part of it, and this is a continuation of where we left off last week. This is related to uh, the churches in Macedonia that he was talking about. This was totally spontaneous entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. That's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention so that what was so well begun could be finished up. You do so well in so many things. You trust God. You're articulate. You're insightful. You're passionate. You love us. Now do your best in this too. I'm not trying to order you around against your will. By by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I'm hoping to bring the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. So here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up, so go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. So this, is, this text is wedged between his reminder that the, the churches in Macedonia had given in, with great joy, even in the midst of difficult times. And then what follows this is Paul talking to them about uh, God loving a, a cheerful giver, and, and you reap what you sow, and God provides the seed 
for the sowing and the food for you while you sow those seeds. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can and not what you can't. When we give ourselves unreservedly and wholeheartedly to God, then the other giving will simply flow out of the purposes of God working in our own lives. If we're struggling with generosity, we might do well to look at our relationship with God. And how unreserved and, and wholehearted are we in our relationship with God? Because Paul's saying that, that's where their giving came from. That's where their generosity came from. It didn't come out of what they didn't have and couldn't do. It came out of the overflow of God at work in them and through them. That's where our generosity comes from as well. This is generosity that we're invited to is not on our own power. It's by the presence and the power of God in us, making us more like Christ. To be more like Christ is to be generous. And our time, our attention, our energy, our resources, including our finances, because when we are in Christ, then what we give never diminishes what we have. When we're in Christ... We cannot outgive God. We can't give more than God fills. And when we give, we stay filled. It's the paradox of generosity as one to believe that Jesus calls us to, to give. And that it makes us more like Christ who gave everything. He had everything and he gave up everything so that we who have nothing might have everything. That mindset of abundance, that mindset of enough versus a mindset of scarcity. When we who are in Christ give, it never diminishes what we have. It only makes us more like Christ. And we begin to realize that generosity is not something that God wants from us. It's something that God wants for us. Realizing that generosity is one of the keys in making us more like Christ, which is what God wants for us. This community of faith at Bethany is a generous community. It's who we are. In this place, we're committed to children and students and adults. We're committed to care and compassion. We're committed to worship and service and discipleship. We're committed to mission and outreach. We are committed to the power and the presence of Christ. We're committed to the love of God at work in us and through us as the hands and feet of Christ. This church is so active and so involved in the community in lots of different ways. You know, over the years, we've asked people about their volunteer hours or where they serve, and we can't even get people to tell us because they don't, they don't want it to seem like they're doing all this good work. They don't want to be recognized for their work. And yet this church, with, as part of Bethany and beyond the walls, gives and serves and loves and is the hands and feet of Christ all over the place, all over the world. That's who we are. But it's not my commitment alone, it's not your commitment alone that makes everything happen. It really takes the commitment of everyone doing what they can, not what they can't. 
The only way that we can do things here to fulfill God's mission is by partnering with God in that mission for the world to be transformed. And it starts right here in what we do here, but then it ripples out into our neighborhood and into our community and into our city and into our nation and then to all the way around the world in Africa and El Salvador all the way around the world begins right here with everyone's commitment of what they can do rather than getting stuck in what they can't do. Aaron Temple wrote this week, the truth is how well, how far, and how deep we're able to partner with God and his work depends in part on how generous we're willing to be. When we focus on what we can't do and can't give or won't do and won't give, then it only reinforces the limits that we impose. But when we focus on what we can do, what we can give, what we will do, what we will give in partnership with God, then it opens up limitless possibilities for God's kingdom to become reality. We don't know what will happen in 2020. We don't know what will happen in the church, in our nation, in the world. We don't know what will happen. What we do know is that the circumstances of the church and the nation and the world do not negate the mission of God's love and certainly don't lessen the need for us to participate in it. If anything, the circumstances of the church and the nation and the world ought to motivate us to participate even more fully in God's mission of love, transforming us and the world. Will, will there be people in the church and in the community and in the nation with whom you disagree? Of course. Will there be people who still don't know the love of Christ? Absolutely. Will there be work for us to do that seems impossible? Probably so. Does that mean, then, that we withhold our generosity? Maybe it does if your focus is on the kingdom of this world. But if your focus, if our focus is on the kingdom of God, then I, I sure hope that it doesn't. Because our generosity is never based on who they are, whoever you want they to be. Our generosity is not based on who they are. It's based on who we are. So today's question is really, who are you? And who are we? That God and God's generous love and care for us calls us, invites us to be generous so that we are made more like Christ simply because it's who we are. Let us pray. Lord, when we come into this place, sometimes it's easy to shut the world out, to come into this safe refuge and to be with people that we know and love and to pray and, and sing songs and uh, feel like we are protected and safe in this space. And you, yet you call us not to stay here, but to go out into the world. And we know well enough that the world is broken and hurting and in desperate need of your love and of the hope that you offer to us in Christ. 
Lord, give us eyes to see where it is that you're calling us to be generous. At home, at work, at school, in the community, in the world, where it is that you're calling us to be generous of spirit with ourselves and with one another, where you're calling us to live with a a different understanding of of what it means to be generous, not based on who someone else is, but based on who we are, secure in your love for us as your beloved children who have everything that is yours. Keep reminding us that we can never outgive you and keep speaking to us of the invitation you issue to us as part of this community of faith where everyone's commitment matters. Keep speaking that truth to us that we're part of something bigger and greater than ourselves. Show us the way as we seek to respond to your generous love for us by being generous with what we do, with what we have, with who we are, as we remember who we are in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.